Yeah, man. Virtual gigs and stuff. I remember reading uh, an article recently about um, in uh, Berlin, I think, or somewhere in Europe, like the club scene, mm-hmm. how like some promoters put together like uh, an on uh, like a virtual club scene experience, basically. And there was like complete mm-hmm. with like nice. DJs and like bouncers at the door, and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like virtual like. That's awesome like a bathroom too, like a virtual bathroom. And like, <laughs> yeah. So that, really, that, really give you the full immersion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like, yeah, can you get, <laughs> imagining what uh, what uh, behavior would get you thrown out by, by virtual <laughs> bouncers? Like, I don't know. I don't even want to really speculate about what what that would be, but also how they would throw you out. I guess, I guess you just get booted from your Zoom call or whatever. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. No, it looked kind of cool. I mean, I just saw pictures of it. I didn't actually do the thing, but like, mm. yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. And then like how you get in, let in is like a random thing too. So it's like trying to make mm. it authentic or whatever i don't know yeah uh, they yeah. don't do the <laughs> where they <laughs> if they uh sorry if they make you like like you know like you see old movies and things where they're letting people into the club and they're like ah you're not dressed nice enough uh, you you can't come in it's like oh yeah that's a nice you look snazzy come on in like it's great if they just have to evaluate you over a video chat <laughs> yeah it's like you're zoom calling in your pajamas you don't get to come into the virtual club <laughs> <laughs> yeah <Not allowed>. yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty hilarious <laughs> yeah it's a thing though i guess like a bunch of people are on that oh, since yeah. you can't do anything else right now you know or, yeah i mean like yeah. whatever gives gives solace like, like uh the, i know some record labels were putting on kind of like they're putting on on virtual music festivals where they would like uh have a lineup of bands and they'd have like a 10 15 sometimes 30 minute set that they either the bands had recorded in their homes and then pieced together or like uh they had rented out a space for themselves and then they played played just the band by themselves and they just aired that festival i know kind of maybe kind of early into the shelter in place. I, I had, I found myself watching some of those to just to, just to get some kind of stimulation and re- remind myself of what concerts were like kind of bittersweet, of course, but yeah, because uh, oh, I want to be there, but at least I'm hearing music. And, um, yeah. So, so it's, it, yeah, it's finding, finding solutions and, and doing what, what the most positive, uh, course of action for people's sanity, I, I suppose. Um, yeah 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 um did you see or hear about um there was like an artist uh do you know the um on like the video game like fortnite um i know of the game what did he do he uh he basically hosted a he did he performed like a concert within the video game oh wow and there was some kind of like um, crazy amount of like people that signed on for this one a moment. It was like it's some like record setting, you know, people that signed on for this one. And it was like a short. I think it was only like uh, 
I don't know, five or 15 minutes or something like real short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of like a, it's a very new thing. It's like a, a new phenomenon, you know, like, a, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Cause it's like, it's like, I have a lot of friends that I grew up with and, and I'm historically kind of a, a gamer. I have a lot of friends that were online gamers or, and, and, you know, like we're more into chatting to people online, meeting people online just for a long time is more introverted. And so it's like, I remember when the shelter in place happened, a lot of them were suddenly just like, I am totally in my element. Like I don't have to leave my house for work. I am the people I'm talking to. Like I have to talk to them online. If I'm meeting new people, I'm talking to them online. And that was always where they thrived uh, doing that kind of thing. And so, so yeah, it was just, so it's, it's like, so I don't, I don't mean to like contradict, but it, it seems like it's not even like a new thing. It's, it's like a newly widespread thing it's it, suddenly the the rest of the rest of society that hasn't been in this kind of niche world of video games and and online uh communication is, is like oh this is necessary and we have to do this um so it's, it's interesting to see like who suddenly is able to handle it who has trouble and uh and and who who has like been had been doing it anyway and they're just kind of like yeah whatever like you know uh terrible old situation but here we are doing what we wanted to do anyway um yeah yeah no i would totally agree that it's not like people playing video games is not new at all you know and like yeah um like the interacting and the online you know gaming where it comes becomes kind of like um interactive you know with a bunch of people doing it uh, yeah and like actually social and, and yeah and creates yeah. a community yeah but I'm I'm impressed that uh that Fortnite didn't crash when everybody went to watch his concert or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know. Issue with, uh... <laughs> Maybe it did, man. I don't I don't know the whole that much. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it did or not. Maybe that, maybe it did. That would be really rough for for him if he had like limit admission. I I don't know how Fortnite works. Maybe there's only a limit to how many people can be in one. I don't know one space or server or something, but. But yeah, <laughs> just yeah. I don't ready for this. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I I've never played that game or. Um, yeah, I, I, me neither. <laughs> it's it's a thing. It's a thing though, definitely. Um, like, oh, yeah. East esports is like a new, again, not really new, but um, is like a thing now, yeah, which is yeah, kind sudden, of suddenly it's a big thing. Yeah. Is that that seems seems like odd to me too? Because like, you know, people make like actual real money playing video games and being good at video games, which is like totally yeah. odd to me. To yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah. But then on the other hand, you think about people. I mean, it doesn't seem weird now because because normal sports has been so integrated into society for so long, especially in America, like for the last hundred or so years. Um, but like the, the idea of someone making a several million dollars a year for throwing a ball, for playing a game that you play, like, you know, on your yard as a kid, like it, it, it also seems wild, but it's so much more normal. But, but e-sports e e still seems weird to me too, even though I'm like a gamer and I've like had friends that, that play in, in competitive like tournaments for like small amounts of money. And suddenly it's like, 
oh yeah like who's the best at dota or or yeah. public a player unknowns battlegrounds or whatever like all, all yeah it's, it's and, and I, I i love how i love the advertising for it more than anything because it's presented like normal sports um a lot of the times i was just like oh yeah look at him click that mouse real fast and like it's just yeah. like it's like fast cuts and colors and and like you know flashy everything which you know is part of the part of the, for the course but, but yeah it just cracks me up because it's such like a yeah growing up for us it's such like a, a quote nerd unquote thing to do is play games competitively i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah in a way like uh any game making money off any game is like kind of silly you know because like what are you really doing you're just really good at this one thing like oh i throw the ball and that's what i do i run yeah, fast yeah. and i throw the ball <laughs> yeah 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 totally and um, it's and it's like it's it's a craft but then also yeah but also it's like everybody throws the ball like, i don't know <laughs> yeah that's um, i remember as a kid like wishing when i would play video games where like money was like we're like you know fake money was the virtual currency and we're having a fantasy that uh that that money would come out of the computer and like like if you printed out the cd drive or something i'd be like all oh, right money of course it's like a 10 year old who doesn't need eight thousand dollars or whatever was the game yeah. currency was yeah but yeah i think it probably seems weird just because it's new you know because i mean yeah like sports like any sport really like you could be really good mm -hmm. like chess doesn't seem as silly like to be really good at chess you know or like yeah people make money playing seems... yeah yeah because because chess has that like kind of cerebral uh connotation to yeah. it where, where it's like oh these people are great thinkers and extremely good strategists but I mean, but then on the other hand, like there's lots of arguments. No, there, yeah, there's been arguments for for a lot of competitive gaming, where it's like these games. A lot, some of these games can be considered like their own kind of chess. And I, I haven't di yeah, dived totally. into that. Dove, haven't dove into that too much. But I remember UC Berkeley, a, a guy was uh, was teaching a class on on competitive StarCraft playing for years, hmm. where they where the students had to read the art of war by sun tzu and like apply it to their starcraft playing and yeah it's just like these wild concepts um yeah it's such a weird like space so because it's, it's it's like a lot of legitimacy but also it seems kind of uh <laughs> patently ridiculous just because of a uh, culture and and everything else yeah no i think there's like definitely um just because it's like a video game, like electronic, doesn't mean it's. Uh, I think there's definitely things you can learn from it, um, mm -hmm. like real yeah. things, you know, and it can be like a real, like uh, stimulating for your mind too. Just like chess is, like there can be games that are like puzzles and stuff, you know. And like I remember um, uh, that class that you mentioned, where they would uh, kind of reminds me of another thing I heard. Um, a while ago about how in the military they'll have um make people play video games where they're like uh the war like video games where they're fighting you know like battle like frontier like shooting people as like a simulation yeah, to yeah. prepare people for like the real thing yeah 
I don't know if I knew that. that I mean, I'm not, I'm not too surprised, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's pretty wild to me. Yeah. 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 That, yeah that's, that's crazy. I mean, I know like a lot of, I'm, I remember like, I'm curious now what, what games, but I, I remember like, cause I've, I've played shooters for a couple of decades now. And I remember like a, a certain shift at some point where suddenly the way the games were depicted seemed more real kind of more visceral kind of like an upsetting way where like i would play it and i enjoy gaming but also i would feel kind of almost i don't know if gross is the word but like you know i'd feel some kind of like whoa this is i feel uneasy is a better word i think just doing this because it seems too visceral and brutal too Um, realistic so i could see yeah something about the the way the movements the graphics the the way people the way the, um, I guess, animations were and the way the game was set up and the, the way it was programmed, the way it was, uh, everything interacts became, became more lifelike in, in strange ways. Um, and, it, and I don't know if games, so I, I haven't played as many recent games, so I don't know how they are now, but I, I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare and suddenly that was like r- really, really brutal a lot of the time. So I, I can see how like, how how some people playing that could either get desensitized or if like you're in a mili- you're being trained to be in the military how that could in some ways prepare you for that kind of brutality um hmm. yeah it's 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 fascinating yeah they're uh they're corrupting children man <laughs> yeah, yeah those, those darn video games just teaching our kids how to they're poisoning the youth <laughs> Gosh. I don't know. Yeah, that's such a weird. Uh, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about censorship and like um, uh, what do you call them? Parental like advisory stickers and that sort of thing. I think. Um, I mean, it depends on the context, I suppose. But I mean, parental advisory and like rating the game, certain things, and having. I think having the having like what is in the game on the box or in in anything on the boxes is not a bad thing inherently because then you know like parents should should be able to mediate what their kids are exposed to um but then also like sometimes it gets a little i, I don't know it's, there's lots of yeah uh, weird ground yeah. where I, I think those are out of hand yeah, I would agree with that. I think they're like uh, two different things, though. Too like, uh, advi- like ratings aren't necessarily censorship. Um, I would agree that um, I think ratings are fine, and yeah. you know, parents should um, you know like teach their children like uh, good ethics and morals. Um, and try yeah, and or they should they should yeah yeah they should they should at least have have control of what their kids see so that they can like you know as a parent you're parenting and you want to teach your kids the ways of the world and and it's hard to to manage that if if suddenly your kid is exposed to something on by mistake or whatever and and uh, now you don't know what your kid knows or thinks of something you want to be able to to like use use any experiences or anything they see as like a teaching tool or a way to be like okay well you've seen this now let's 
talk about that and say, and, and you know, some you don't want to like just throw everything at your kid. And yeah. Games with a lot of yeah, like free access to the give them free access to the internet or something like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without that, any that would that would that would go poorly very quickly because <laughs> that's yeah. how the internet is. Um, but uh, so, but as for censorship, which is a more interesting topic, um, I like censorship is, is tricky because. I mean, it's been a while since I thought about it. I, I used to think about this a lot when I was like a, you know, a radical college student. Um, and I probably still have a lot of the same beliefs, but I hadn't reflected on it in a while. But uh, I, I tend to think that like most, m most content, it should, I, don't, I can't, there's not a lot of content I think that should be um, outright suppressed like i i'm i'm not in favor of hate speech or things that promote hate like of, of a group or a people or uh, a, a gender or anything like that but but i think there's a difference between that and like depicting depicting things that are challenging to to people like not not necessarily in favor but like showing bad like showing things that are horrendous because a lot of, a lot of art has like really challenging imagery or challenging uh, words or ideas and not that it's promoting those ideas or that imagery, but that it's making us confront that imagery and reminding us why we don't want the world to be that way. Um, like, like, like just to go back to the example of those war video games, like, as a, as a younger kid, I probably, I would shoot people in video games and I'd be like, yay, guns, whatever. I don't know anything about mortality or, you know, whatever. And I wouldn't give it much thought. And it was aliens, like whatever. But when I started playing, when the games got more intense or more realistic and as I was aging, um, I'd find myself playing these games and, and all the, like as much as I enjoyed them, I was all the while kind of reminding my, they felt like more of a reminder of why I don't like, violence and why i don't like war as a as a concept why i don't like the idea of having to kill someone or or force anyone to kill anyone else or see someone kill someone like it's, it's just all these yeah it's it, it's it's it it's kind of uh I don't, I don't know if cathartic is the word but um perhaps a little bit cathartic in that that's like oh yes this is this is not a good thing in reality so i will keep it in the video game and understand that it is a terrible thing because I have this very, very not real depiction of it. Um, that's just like an example. Like you can think of movies where people are attacked or, or, you know, assaulted or raped or any of that kind of thing. And there's lots of movies where that kind of, that, those kinds of things happen and they're not, supporting those things it's it's depicting it so that we we as a as a viewing audience know that that is a terrible thing and that we should not wish that on anyone that we should not do that kind of thing um yeah so i think to that extent it's, it's up to the audience's intelligence and to the and to the uh creator of the art to make sure it's clear that that's not that that they are not supporting that kind of action and then, mm. and that's where I don't know. I, I, but yeah, so I, that's, that's I don't know. That's my thoughts on 
kind of extreme uh, ex uh, extreme content, I guess, is the best way I can think to phrase it. Yeah. Why I'm iffy about censorship. That's interesting. Um, so do you think some some things should be censored? Um, like where would you draw the line if that is the case? That's a darn good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a darn good question. Well, just how about in general, yeah. do you think there is content that should be censored? Like hypothetically, there is this thing that would fall under the realm of it should be censured and people shouldn't be allowed to view it and have access to it. I mean, child pornography is a big thing that should not mm. exist and should not be viewable. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be created in the first place, but that, you know, um, can't control everyone's actions. I, but. I don't know if it, I agree. Yes. But child pornography is also illegal. Um, yes, this is a very good point. Um, um, yeah, I mean, murder is also illegal, but you can draw a picture. Oh, that's of, a good point. The picture of uh, of murder. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess to that extent, it becomes very contextual, and then it, I mean, because yeah. um, I definitely like read books where wherein they talk about you know children being like ha children being made to have sex with someone or, like in a terrible situation and and it's always it's always very clearly framed in a way that's like this is a bad thing um yeah and then but then if you so if you have something that is more ambiguous i don't know that's that's tricky um because because discourse is important also i'm kind of i'm kind of just spitting yeah. thoughts as they come into my I'll, head I'll, I'll tell you what kind of where i'm lying on this this issue um i don't really think anything should be uh, censored um okay i think if well um another thing that's interesting is um this idea of censorship it's not at all new you know it of it happened with um i don't remember who but it was in like ancient greece i remember reading there's someone that wrote this um he believed that you know there's certain modes that um were uh, good for society and certain modes were bad and uh associated with you know uh sex and drugs and heathenism um yeah and that if uh that these uh should be regulated and if um enough musicians were playing in these bad modes let's call them mm -hmm. then we, yeah. he would witness the breakdown of society um interesting <laughs> yeah and yeah. if they played in the good modes you know people would be pious and you know studious and all the things he, he would associate with you know good citizen um yeah yeah and that's you know however many thousands of years ago and there's other yeah. examples of it you know with um 
rock rock music you know yeah um, the tritone as a concept yeah the tritone as a concept like there's a number of examples that but yeah if you apply that uh today the idea that certain modes are like if you play music in this one mode that you're going to cause the breakdown of society and people are going to be you know fornicators and not contributing in any way and mm -hmm. it's it, it's really silly you know to think about that yes good point the, the same way um you know what happened with rock and metal music like when that was first becoming like really popular you know the older generation was like this yeah. is you know noise pollution is terrible it's going to yeah. corrupt our youth it's all these things yeah. um decline of western civilization <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah which it's it's not you know yeah um, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so yeah um we're gonna say something uh, yeah i mean i don't know um I don't know, I'm, I'm on like these heavy subjects of censorship, but like with music censorship, I think music should scarcely be censored, but I think scarce. Also, so yeah, I, so I think, yeah, <laughs> like the only music that I almost like think should be censored is, is like national socialists, like black metal, which I, 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 I haven't come across many other genres of music that have their own like that have the, I, haven't, I haven't come across any other genres of music that have their own specific association with like nazism something as heinous as as the national socialist party um i'm sure there must be but uh so you think but but uh, on the other mm -hmm. go on on the other hand it's like not necessarily that it should just be censored so much as it should be opposed very very strongly if that makes sense um like uh, I mean, there's some idea I heard that was like it was an idea I heard that wasn't necessarily pro censoring things, but it was about how too much tolerance can lead to intolerance. Where like if you tolerate an intolerant group or intolerant ideas, then eventually the tolerance will be overpowered by the intolerance because the intolerance is all about suppressing tolerance um but if you are, are tolerant you still have to push against intolerance like it has to be you can't you can't tolerate intolerance does that make does that make some sense yeah that so makes far? sense um and i feel like that's uh you're in that sense tolerance would be like um apathetic acceptance of something it wouldn't really be tolerance yes yeah yeah no it, it, like tolerance can't be passive yeah um but i think a lot of people like like a lot of the argument with people with uh people who are in favor of like intolerance or hate speech they say like oh you have to tolerate us too and it's like no <laughs> as tolerant people we do not have to tolerate your opposing stance to us as, as people who want to uh, support acceptance and love and whatever. Um, yeah. Know, is that a bit of a tangent? I don't know. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing, uh, I understand uh, the argument and the case, um, but I don't know that I necessarily feel that that's the case. Um, like, I don't, or let me rephrase it. I don't know if that censorship is the solution to uh, making those ideas like go away. If that's yeah, no, the... I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't trying to say that censorship is necessarily the solution, hmm. but I think, but I think that people need to be more vocal about their opposition to the groups that the, the groups that support something like intolerance. So I guess overall in my head right now, as I'm talking, I'm not, I, I, I can't really think of anything that like should be completely and utterly censored. Yeah. Even, even things that I think are terrible and awful, like, like hate, like hate speech should be pushed against as much as possible by as many people as possible and hate crimes should remain illegal and this kind of thing. But, uh, yeah so you mentioned um what was it nazism black metal or something to that effect yeah national socialist yeah so are you saying um that you think that should be censored or you weren't sure uh i i'm i'm not sure i mean i see it pushed against heavily um like like whenever there's a there's like a band that starts to come through town and if someone is even an alleged uh, Nazi or Nazi sympathizer, those shows tend to get if anyone calls the venue, those shows like a, a small outcry will happen and that show will get canceled. Like tour will end up getting entirely canceled. Um, there's some tricky lines there where you know a lot of the time the evidence is kind of tenuous and I uh, no one's really sure about if the person actually is a Nazi or not, but but uh people see see something or have heard something or heard enough that they they think it's the case um i haven't done a lot of research about this myself mm, yeah um, with, with, the, with like the specific cases in the in the bay area so um so yeah it's tricky but there are definitely like lots of lots of bands that are strongly proclaimed national socialist black metal bands and and uh yeah i'm not i i'm not sure that those should be censored so much as they should be just not they should just be not supported that's that's basically where i'm at on that yeah because if yeah and then there's the whole idea where if you if you completely censor an idea or suppress it so strongly that it's basically censored that um that it just it just it makes it garner support at like either at a later time or or from the people that are feel that feel oppressed for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um and then, and then it becomes a, a, a greater issue later. Um, yeah, de- definitely. Which, which is like, yeah, yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to kind of balance. I think in in a, in a societal situation. Yeah, you know, I think like as an individual, if there is this thing, an artist or music that's promoting, like, hate speech or. Uh, violence or something like this as an individual you know don't support it like if you're 
like you own a record shop don't buy any of the records like absolutely um but um yeah i think like what you said if it's censored kind of like globally or like by a group or some sort of entity Mm -hmm. it kind of almost validates it in a way because i'm kind of reminded um by um so you know the band uh lamb of god um yeah they used to be uh they used to go their their name used to be uh burn the priest and so i'm i remember this this story i watched like an interview or something how they're talking about how they're they had a concert planned at like a church or something and like the the people at the church like found out that they used to be called burn the priest so then like you know the show got canceled it got shut down and it became this big thing and like you know there's it was in the news there's like a news article about it you know and um, yeah. ultimately it just gave them like way more publicity um and more support for what they're doing um, yeah yeah so yeah so that that particular instance of it's, it's like like, that's like a, a mic, like a microcosm where like that particular instance yeah. of direct censorship mm-hmm. like just created as you said the validation yeah the support for them yeah that's that's a, that's a very good point yeah so then what's what's the way to to stop um i don't know violent and uh people in all these ways i don't know but yeah i don't know either yeah. we're not here to <laughs> create answers we're just yeah. throw bandy ideas about as the phrase goes but yeah I mean as far as in the music world it's like yeah I mean it's, I, yeah, the most direct thing we can do in the music world is uh, only support good good people good arts and like good messages and um yeah, and then and uh, just not su- not support and uh, make sure people know when when uh, hateful music is, is exists and that they shouldn't support it. Yeah, you know, and if you feel strongly about it, like tell other people why it's bad and no one should support it. Like explain the reasons yeah. why, and you know, yeah. that's I think that's uh, totally cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so um, I'm gonna change the topic a little bit. What do you think about um, concept albums? Concept albums. <laughs> um, I think they can go really well, or uh, or, or they can be uh, really lame. But <laughs> and then in the middle there, I think there are a lot of concept albums that barely even can barely even be called concept albums, but are still really good albums. And <laughs> um, I haven't thought about that in a while either. I used to be so into like that whole scene, the progressive rock and progressive metal scene that loves concept albums so much. It's been a while. Um, mm. But I mean, like and the, the tricky part with that also, I feel like is even if you like the music, 
if 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 the concept album has a really strong story and the story itself just isn't your cup of tea like that can really mess it up like the, the biggest example for me is like um dream theaters uh scenes from a memory metropolis 2 which is a fantastic album i love that album the music's great the the concept is pretty interesting but the con the story itself in the concept album like i just personally don't like it that much um like i i, I still like the album a lot and i listen to it semi-regularly but but yeah it's just some, something about the story seemed like it was either trying too hard or it was kind of confused or something i don't know just what didn't didn't catch my fancy that's not a phrase but whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> No, I remember um, also on the topic of Dream Theater, I remember they put out an album like a few years ago. Um, I forget the name of it. Oh, it was yeah. Like, I think... it, was like, it was like a double album, though. It was like yeah, th yeah. they wanted to make it like a musical. Do you remember which one that was? Yeah, I remember I remember because when it came out, you and I would talk about it, and I think you liked it a lot more than I did. I don't know if you still like it. Which is well, the thing was, yeah, the thing was I went and saw, I saw them perform it live and live. I thought it was cool. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, they had this whole uh, concept, how they wanted it to be like a musical and, you know, what's the, the vocalist name? Uh, he He's even said James in like interviews Green. that like he he wants to do Broadway and wants to be in musicals and stuff. And yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so seeing it live, <laughs> seeing it live was cool. Just because you know, live music is just better than listening to a record, um, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I wasn't really into it. It's like for, for me personally, just listening to the record. It's like lame like dream theater it's like they thought yeah. like they needed it like it needed to be i don't know watered down or something i don't know it's <laughs> yeah yeah no so so that one's called the astonishing which i had forgotten. that was it yeah i'm looking it up now um but uh yeah i so i remember i remember because I, I i i just keep up with this kind of thing i remember listening to it pretty soon after it came out and and just being like yeah basically the same feeling where like i kind of wanted to like it but it did feel like really uh mediocre dream theater like yeah. like like at their absolute worst like maybe falling into infinity is not quite as good but i haven't listened to that in so long uh but um but uh yeah and then i remember i remember i talked to you about it and i think you had seen the concert and you were like i think that was pretty good and i'm like what what are you talking about but uh <laughs> yeah I, I bet live yeah. i would have liked it way better um yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah like even 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 the weakest dream theater albums were were better than that better than that album yeah as well yeah i mean there is some still there's like a couple of cool guitar solos and oh i'm cool, sure yeah. cool parts but you know as a whole it's like Where's the the good dream theater at? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it now, and I'm thinking about um other dream theater songs where like they would have like you know a really long song, but it's like 
it would have a concept or a story kind of condensed into the one song mm-hmm. and it's the kind of thing that sounds like it could be a concept album but yeah. because it's you know only a 14 minute song whoa <laughs> they, they like they uh they make it just a little bit easier to just and understand you have to make it more kind of um kind of more lyrical when they convey the story so then it becomes you know it stands alone as a good song even if you don't know the story then when you do know mm-hmm. the story it's kind of like oh this is a cool this is a cool story um yeah uh, so, so yeah I, I think for that specific occasion i think dream theater is better at these shorter, shorter yeah concepts. i remember but, i saw uh, thinking, you know, oh you go ahead oh no it was it was stupid what i was gonna say um I just I remember seeing a meme um, that was like longer song, longer schlong. It was like a picture of John Petrucci <laughs> on there. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've probably seen that at some point too. Yeah. Oh man, good old progressive rock. Yeah, that's that interesting. A lot of that, progressive. <laughs> yeah, that you say um, how they're kind of uh, more prevalent in like progressive like genres like these concept mm-hmm. albums and stuff because yeah. um, I feel like uh, concept albums um, for bands are kind of like um, the equivalent of like large symphony orchestras for in like the classical world um, mm-hmm. where it's just this large piece with like a large larger form like throughout you know um how yeah. there's different movements and there's central themes that like play throughout the, the whole piece or like <clears throat> you know you have like a a symphony that's like 45 minutes to an hour long um yeah it's kind of like you know that um yeah it's kind of like you know like the major work you know it's like oh i'm gonna write a symphony it'll be this it's it's kind of I feel like that's kind of equivalent to like bands wanting to wanting to create a concept album with like a central theme that plays yeah. throughout. Yeah, and it's yeah it's it's definitely tricky too. I feel like in rock music, it's so. Uh, I I I could imagine a lot of like these kinds of musicians they, they just become too kind of intentional maybe so that like things can become forced. Um, they have a story and they want to like, oh, this has to be this big grand thing. And, and then they, and they make like a, a full album and it's, it could be a, a good full album, but then maybe it like at moments will seem like it's trying too hard or a bit hackneyed or hmm. yes, too, maybe too self-aware in, in the, in the, in the creation process. Um, I'm trying to think of like concept albums. I really, I really like, and the, the ones that I'm thinking of don't even, don't, they don't even have as much of like as like you're describing like the overarching musical theme or something like music that really uh, is as has as much commonality between it. Think of like uh, there's a band on Camelot. You ever listen to them? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like yeah, like they have that kind of double concept album, uh, Epica and the Black Halo. That's based around it's like based on a, their own story. That's um, based on the story of Faust or whatever. Um, okay but those, those, yeah those albums those albums i think i think those are really really good albums and but but it's so much more like each song 
stands alone well as like its own power metal song with like chorus, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, but hmm. but it still follows a story. Like if you listen yeah. to the album, you can hear like the characters and like what's happening in the story, um, but it's a little more abstract with how it's delivered, um, as opposed to a lot of Dream Theater stuff where they're like describing events as they happen and like what they're doing like in the space. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, well with that one they tried to make it like a musical like that i think that was their goal with the astonishing yeah the astonishing event yeah well i'm thinking even with like scenes from a memory though there's like Mm. definitely times where it becomes a lot more uh whatever the opposite of abstract is um more more concrete like literal Mm. lyrics literal scenarios with what they're um describing and, and conveying um but then you get like kind of like loose concept albums like uh i mean I, i've always heard people people's argument that sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band is a concept album um because it starts out with this kind of like the first song like creates a fiction of a band the lone, the, the lonely hearts club band and that they're that it's this, this whole thing that exists and they're about to perform the song with a little help from my friends. Hmm. And then, and then it kind of like, it's kind of this notion that, that, that this made up band is playing all this music on the album. And then they reprise their theme song uh, near the end before this, before the last track, they have a little reprisal of the Sergeant Pepper's theme. Um, <clears throat> as, as, and it is specifically like a farewell song. Um, so it's kind of like the Beatles created this fictional group. So, so it's that, to that extent, it's kind of a concept album, but from song to song, it's not like there is, it's not like there's a story between songs Hmm. describing anything, but, um, but to that extent, maybe because it's more historic, it's called that concept, a concept album because it was like one of the first ones to kind of have that overarching idea, um, but it's a really yeah. good album, and and the I feel like having those bookends, almost bookends of, of a theme song for a made-up band, kind of sets a tone for the album that's very different from like other other Beatles albums or any other albums where you're kind of like you listen to it and it creates this fiction of like I am listening to all of this and it is one solid like peace hey, you're, you, you, some reason for me mentally it's like the album becomes more cohesive or like it is a singular performance as opposed to another album where i'm like okay song next song next song next song and even though there's clear delineations between the songs it's it seems more uh, ad- adhered or like you know coherent for, or something I don't, i'm not sure how to describe it. it seems like one piece even though it's not yeah it's like so different chapters album yeah yeah exactly um so that kind of concept album i think probably a little easier to pull off because you can kind of you can do the trick of just having something at the beginning and having something at the end and then maybe having a track or two that flow straight into one another and that you know with no uh, gap and it, it creates this illusion of uh, continuity um which is a solid technique, but you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've heard that about um, 
Sergeant Pepper. I'm gonna have to listen to that yeah, again. That's, I, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it is. It's interesting. I think it was also. I I, I believe I've. This, this is true. I, I think that was also like the first time, at least on like a rock album anyway, where two tracks, um, like flowed together with no gap. It was like this the first two tracks on Sergeant Pepper's, because it, you know, the the, the first track is you know is, is the title track where they're just like introducing Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and then the end of it is like welcome the welcome out the one and only Billy Shears um, and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band they play a little music and there's like it's kind of intro theme and then they say Billy Shears and then it goes straight into with a little help from my friends which is being fictionally sung by Billy Shears when it's actually sung by Ringo or whatever Hmm. There's the, the, the there's like a guitar transition straight from them announcing Billy Shears into the what would you do if I sang you a thing, um, yeah it's it's yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, hmm. and that's like a, and that that on top of that that's like a big you know tradition in progressive rock and metal music right? since since then you know because that Dream Theater album both, I think both those Dream Theater albums we were talking about have a lot of seamless transitions. Uh, colors by between the buried and me is famously like has no gaps between the tracks um, mm-hmm. i think i think that might even that might also be very loosely a concept album but i'm i'm most familiar with the lyrics on that because they're unintelligible <laughs> yeah i remember there was a couple of dream theater albums too that um they uh would start or they would end the note they would end with, they would start their next album with the same note. And yeah, they did that for like a few that. albums until like, yeah. um, until they did one where they started and ended, you know, with, they started the note with the first song and then ended the note with the last song. So then like, oh, okay, we can finally be done with this and do something different now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I remember that too. I remember like my, my friend who got me into Dream Theater in high school when we were both like diving into their discography. He was just like, this is the coolest thing. You gotta like listen to these albums one after the other, and it's all the same note or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's another there's another band that's less well known from the last ten years that um does a similar thing. Just since we're mentioning that, um, that I think is almost, I don't want to say cooler, but but it, it's it's a little more crazy when you listen to the album itself. Um, it's a band called Agent Fresco from Iceland. They're kind mm-hmm. of like progressive rock, math core meets pop or whatever. They're, they're very very good band um but they, they only they only have two full lengths out but both of them the the like each album on its own like begins it's like it's like the end of each album transitions seamlessly into the beginning of the same album so if you're like listening to the album like on your own if you're listening to the album and you finish the album and it skips back to the beginning you might not notice that mm-hmm. it had started over, yeah. which I think is the fun. Uh, first of all, it's a fun way to get people to keep listening to your album over and over again because they won't realize that they finished it. Um, but also, it's just a, it's a really cool musical device to like try and connect your your uh, ideas on a single album. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a cool thing. That's cool. Uh, Agent Fresco is what they're calling. Agent Fresco. I, I don't know the story behind the name. It is a very strange name, but they are. Yeah. They're, they're personally my favorite. I, I think they're my favorite band in existence at this point. 
Okay, I'll, I'll check them out. It sounds like a, they're like a soda pop salesman or something. It, it, it is, Agent I know, Fresco. It is such a weird. <laughs> hey, want to get some of this agua fresca? Um, <laughs> the bubbly yeah, no, water. It's, it's such a, it's a, <laughs> yeah. Sneaking this bubbly water into your everyday life because I'm an agent. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're a, they're a phenomenal, phenomenal group. Um, that's that's also a very progressive rock thing. Just kind of having nonsense names like a uh, mm. pineapple thief. Is that a is that a band? And the uh, I can't think of other ones off the top of my head. But uh, I always have these like like strange names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know what else I find interesting is how, um, like, uh, we're talking about how progressive uh, uh, genres tend to like do more of these concept albums, but uh, also that like um, just the people that go to these concerts and kind of the vibe of the concerts, like at progressive shows, they tend to like stand still more and just like listen to the music versus like you know thrash where they like yeah you know be moshing thinking, and thinking real hard about this music yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so who, who, what were you, were you, did you have a point about that or is that just a something to note yeah it's something to know um i think it's it's uh yeah you know it's kind of like similar to like um like you go to like a, cl- a classical music like concert everyone's sitting mm-hmm. down is much more mm-hmm. like suit and tie kind of deal um yeah more more sedate yeah yeah that is i mean like and that's the whole i remember when i first got into progressive music i was i mean i i like it and i like complicated music i like listening to that kind of thing and, and analyzing that sort of stuff i think that's like the whole the whole scene kind of seems to like progressive music because because they either, you know, some people it's kind of like they think they're smarter because they listen to it, or they, <laughs> or they really they there's a whole yeah. there's a whole kind of stigma with that. Um, but I mean, a lot of it's cool music. I, I've met, met a lot of people who think that it's like soulless stuff. But I mean, I, I think you can put a lot of heart into into complicated music, and if that's just like what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you what you come up with, there's lots of music I write, and I. I, gen- I I do my absolute best to write exactly what I feel when I write music, and a lot of it comes out with some weird friggin' time signatures and, and like weird keys, and that's just that's that's my kind of soul. Like, and other people's soul is something else, and that's fine. Um, but but yeah, it, it's it's interesting, especially with like progressive metal, where you know you expect metal to be about like yeah move around, mosh, you know, bang your head. Um, but then you get these songs that are like, you know, it's hard to bang your head in 13 time, like, or, or yeah. in like, you know, 13, eight, cause then you've got to, you got to do one head banging. that's a little bit faster than the others or something yeah. to compensate or whatever else. Um, but then on the other hand, so th- now this is interesting. This is kind of my hot take on this, just from thinking about it right now. This is kind of why I like things like what, what's called the gent scene. Cause, hmm. cause that's like progressive metal meets metalcore and and like metalcore you know it's more of the punk influence and that's more based around 
music that gets you moving, gets you moshing, gets you grooving, like whatever. Um, and and but it's but then when you add the progressive element, it like encourages complicated music and weird time signatures. But I'm thinking of like like I've seen like the band Periphery before, and and they're you know kind of considered the pinnacle of progressive metalcore. And uh, it's like yeah, like people like there's definitely parts of the songs where people are like yeah, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about this, but then they, they sometimes even in the same part of the song it's so like heavy or it's so groovy even though it's in a weird time signature that people are going nuts and it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool uh uh, thing to accomplish i think musically to make things one of my favorite things music ever is to to have something that's that's on paper very complicated and and uh can take some thought to really wrap your head around or to uh, emulate or replicate or whatever but also makes you want to like just dance or like you know you'll throw yourself around a room like a crazy person like you know whatever whatever else um yeah definitely like is a, yeah like Meshuggah is a prime example of that but they're like kind of or it's just like they're they're so heavy you can't not move if you're at their concert but also their music is way more complicated than almost any other metal band out there even though it sounds it might like sound simple but if you were to try and play it you would have way more trouble playing that than you would a dream theater song probably for most of the for most musicians yeah yeah and you know i think there's like no reason why you can't dance to like 13 8 or whatever time signature you know like (laughs) yeah yeah i mean other than um you know cultural reasons and you'd be like used to maybe like four four or something but yeah i think sure. that's other cultures have popular music i think it's really only western culture that all our popular music is like within four four like three four and these you know common time signatures like other cultures have like you know music and other uh rhythms and meters and and tunings too um yeah yeah not just 12 tone equal temperament yeah no you're totally right I, yeah I'm, uh, now that you're saying that i'm thinking of like i can't remember somewhere in eastern europe that even um like, like they had like a, a common dance that was just in seven um mm-hmm. but you know it had a, it had a particular pattern particular moves that matched the seven time and i've definitely come across like folk music from finland and those places that are like in nine or you know whatever whatever other uh you know other time signatures that you know in western music would be denoted very differently from from any kind of common time Um, yeah definitely and um there was uh another thing i was going to say about that about um what was it? Um, different time signatures. Oh yeah, the, um, com- complex music versus like I don't know. Yeah, this is a concept um, that I I was reading a book. It was called um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and oh, it yeah, kind of had. Heard of that. I haven't read it myself. Yeah. Well, basically, it had the the concept of like um, kind of. Uh, I forget if you use it. I think it was called the romantic and like the classical type 
brain or like emotion or whatever. Um, and you could categorize uh, art or music in that way as like romantic being like the emotion, what you feel, like the kind of visceral, you know, like um, like thrash music or club music, like every every yeah. beats the downbeat, you know, doom, doom, yeah. doom. Um, whereas like classical um, could be more um, stimulating to like your intellectual side, like mm -hmm. the numbers and like the way things are constructed and like um, form and having yeah. things born like yeah and kind of like there's different examples of that within the book like how like saying there's this guy that was like really into just looking at um reading uh manuals and like spreadsheets and he's like oh they mentioned this thing and this is really cool it was like really technical stuff and then there's this other guy that was like kind of could be labeled as romantics like he didn't care about none of that he just wanted to ride his bike like if it broke down mm, yeah. he would take it to a mechanic he didn't want to like deal <laughs> with like putting stuff together you know or like yeah um fussing over like tiny little details this tiny little bolt has to fit here and it has to be this certain way mm. you know he just wants to yeah. like have that feeling of riding a bike you know um yeah. and I feel like um, progressive mu music kind of tends to be more on like the intellectual side, or um, I, I don't know if like classical isn't a very good term for it, but um, yeah. And then there's music like thrash music, let's say, will yeah. have that more visceral feeling of like satisfying, you know, like driving drums and like you know constant pulse and and yeah. I think. Um, you can definitely have progressive music or technical music that also has feeling. Because um, yeah. I feel that way too. I really like a lot of uh, technical music. Um, yeah. But I feel like, um, for me at least, uh, music, technical music that works really well also has some elements of like the visceral side of music you know yeah um absolutely. like there's some uh music that is just almost purely like intellectual side without any of like the mm -hmm. visceral stuff that we enjoy about music like um um i think alvin lucier's like i am sitting in a room is like that yeah you know because <laughs> it's just it's just like purely a concept it's nothing that we traditionally or culturally enjoy about you know a pulse and a beat and like things that we describe as like being music yeah yeah so that's it's interesting like um with my brain being so uh or my listening being so metal oriented i'm like drawing a comparison mm -hmm. um specifically in like the the death metal subgenre, because um, I feel like I feel like even that within that subgenre, there's a really strong, um, there's two strong little sub kind of scenes, um, 
where one of them is very much about the the intellectual and one of the other one's very much about the the visceral um or like like because you I mean you and i have played death metal before and so there's the there's the whole technical death metal scene which is all about um you know playing as fast as you can crazy arpeggios and wild arrangements probably weird time signatures too and 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 some of that like can be cool but some of it can also get pretty unlistenable because it's just uh shredding and nothing's happening but then there's and then there's the uh what's called the, the the slam death metal scene the like the brutal brutal slam scene and and a lot of that mm-hmm. is just and that that's like way more it's all about like the heavy like just pounding yeah. riffs and and like and all this kind of stuff with like maybe a little thing thrown in once in a while that's like a different speed but then you know they'll change they'll change tempos but usually it's kind of just you know different different pounding tempos like so it's really slow then it's a little bit faster then it's the same thing but it's a little slower and 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 that that can be cool too but a lot of the time it's really mundane and and yeah it's 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 caveman music but yeah exactly and then that's 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 it's it's pretty fun sometimes but then a lot but yeah yeah, just it's very much sometimes but then it's interesting because if you look at like old older death metal like the stuff that that all that stuff was inspired by I find, and what I personally think is like a lot of the best death metal, um, it has all of it. And it's, it's like the songs will like, the songs will be complicated. They'll have lots of tempo changes some really crazy shreddy parts, but then they'll have some sections that flow nicely where it's just like pound away, really slow riffs and like, like the drums are taking it easy, but they're really hitting you hard and the guitars are doing something that's really easy to connect to and then it goes into something faster and wilder um and i think like musically it's can be more complicated than either of those things sometimes because you have to shift a lot and change what you're doing and and be more conscious of your arrangements and that that kind of thing um so yeah it's it's interesting to see in that scene how how like a certain group of people like really connected with one little aspect of that subgenre and then made another subgenre out of it. And then on the other end, other people connected with the other part of that song and then made a subgenre out of that. Um, yeah. I think like the culture and like the imagery that goes along with uh slam like metal is like <laughs> really kind of strange too. Like mm-hmm. like the really I don't know. Have you seen like some of these like really por- pornographic like imagery or like cover art and it's just like oh like yeah it's well I mean like it's ridiculous you know <laughs> it it gets out of hand yeah like yeah. I mean like it's even like the old death metal had like some of that you know like I don't know, Cannibal Corpse is the prime example yeah like like Tomb of the Mutilated the cover is all like zombies performing. Uh, unspeakable sexual acts on each other or whatever um uh yeah. and, and then like all the song titles on that album like like the most tame song title on that album is beyond the cemetery and the second most tame is hammer smashed face like yeah. and then it's all downhill from there like like yeah. it was like sexual content violent content um but the music on that album is extremely well done like like yeah. like the musicianship is through the roof the arrangements are like really really complicated and it sounds like to to uh, on the first listener to an amateur's ear it could sound like all oh, these guys are changing tempo all over the place 
this doesn't make any sense. But then when you like, I remember that's how I felt the first time I heard like hammer smashed face. Then when I listened to it again, I realized, oh wait, but they're always going to the same tempo on very specific points. Like, like they'll have this tempo, then it goes to this tempo, which is slightly different. And then it goes right back up to this tempo just enough for that. Like when they repeat a riff or whatever uh, theme, and then, yeah, it, it, so it, it, like the more you listen to it, the more you realize it's really precise. Then you like watch them play it live and it's just as it, the tempo changes are all exactly the same. So it's like, it's not some terrible mistake. It's not just a flip. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I, yeah, but back on, yeah, but slam, slam metal, the imagery gets, <laughs> gets terribly out of, out of hand. And like, and like well, some people like enjoy that kind of thing, but I think there's also like some, uh, so, some groups get out of hand with like the kind of misogynistic imagery and, yeah. and lyricism that's kind of just like it's 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 lame to begin with and now it's on top of it it's it's tired and and hack and you know, hackneyed it's overdone it's it's meaningless <laughs> I wish it was meaningless really I think for some people it might mean something that sucks yeah um. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah talking about Cannibal Corpse I think. Uh, I like a lot of their stuff. I think it's like really cool. Um, oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not really into like the lyric content that that much. Oh, yeah. Like sometimes <laughs> there's a uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of like one song, but like the song's like really cool. But then like if you actually like read the lyrics, I was like, oh yeah. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm not feeling this as like I wouldn't read this as poetry, you know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> something inside me. It's it's coming out. Yeah, I feel like killing <laughs> you. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the only song I know the lyrics to. But um, uh, no, I remember um, when my when I first started getting into metal and especially extreme metal, and and my mom was a very good sport and didn't you know really chastised me so much as like voiced concern at times um like when i heard Meta- when i first started listening to metallica she was kind of like oh okay and then i started pointing out that they had complicated music that it was really interesting and she and she could hear that and she was like oh yeah you know what you're right i never noticed that about metallica and i started listening to like cannibal corpse and then uh she would hear the vocals <laughs> straight and, to cannibal corpse and, <laughs> yeah yeah, no, yeah. There's, there's a couple of years between there but you know yeah, yeah. um but the, 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 the thing she would always say that, that cracked me up was she'd be like, she'd be like, oh, well, I can't, I can't understand what they're saying. And I like that. That's kind of lame. And then before I could ever say anything, she'd always be like, oh, but I probably don't want to know. what they're saying. I'm like, exactly. Like, I don't want to know what they're saying either, but the music's really good. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that was always kind of my, and like some death metal has great there's some death metal lyricists that are great when i actually go and sit down to read it yeah. I'm like, oh this is poetry and yeah. it's very good um but some of it's also just weird like you know horror imagery being described or just kind of uh not not child maybe kind of juvenile violent lyrics and yeah and yeah at that point at that point for death metal for me is so much more about the the music it's the the instrumentation than it is about lyrics for sure and yeah. the energy. I mean, I enjoy that the the energy, but you know, yeah, I I usually avoid reading death metal lyrics. Yeah, which I mean, it can be valid too. I think, but um, yeah. So let me 
bring this back to what we were talking about earlier. So, so what if what if there was like um, hypothetically speaking, this uh, amazing death metal group that it was like your favorite music, but they had like some lyrics that were nationalistic and like hate speech and like um, this really terrible, awful stuff like. <laughs> blacks aren't people and you should kill like <laughs> you know yeah I, I i would stop listening to that um i think that actually kind of happened to me in high school because when i first mm -hmm. came across the band burzum um and i like wasn't fully familiar with the history of black metal like i knew he had burned down some churches and and like been a been a bad boy he, i know he killed euronymous and that kind of thing but you know so I, so I was kind of like, yeah, okay, that's that's like a weird bit of history. And I heard his music, and I was like, this is this is good music. Um, and then probably some months, maybe even like a year after that, is when I when I first finally got wind of the fact that he was he's a national socialist, uh, he's a Nazi, and and you know, then I kind of like thought about that for a little for a little bit, being a teenager, just to figure out my moral stance. And then I was like, you know, you know what? I don't I don't need to listen to Burzum, hmm. like of my own volition forget it and uh i don't even think his lyrics were i i don't i mean i never really read them much but i think from what i remember his lyrics themselves aren't explicitly uh you know hateful or or, or you know like full of hate speech or, or supporting nazism but just the fact that he himself is so vehemently uh, a national socialist is kind of like i i feel kind of gross listening to this this guy's music especially being a one man band where it's very much, Oh, this is like one guy who is this way. And this is his vision. Like, I don't really want to be involved with that vision. Yeah. Forget it. Would you encourage others not to listen to that particular artist be because of, of those reasons? I, I probably would encourage them not to, or I feel like I heard someone was listening to them and they didn't seem mm -hmm. aware of that. I would want to make them aware of it. Um, I can never, force anyone to do anything really yeah. um and uh and, and it's it's you know thought about this before and i've, I've never felt like i've never really made a decision like if someone was listening to music that that outwardly supported nazism or like race hate or anything like that then i think i would like just i would have to cut ties with them as, to, to as great an extent as i could because i don't like to associate with racists or or xenophobes or anything like that um but yeah i, I I've, but i've also met people that you know were able to listen to some music uh and and totally separate it from that the individual or like from from, from a musician's ideology when that music mm -hmm. was completely completely separated from that musician's ideology and it's a, it's a it's a tricky thing like i i feel like i see both sides a lot of the time with that um, and I generally try to avoid music by intolerant musicians or artists but I've met people that that were clearly you know don't support the person that made the music but they'll listen to the music because they like grew up with it before that person mm -hmm. was known as whatever they are or were or whatever um, and that at that point that's kind of like no that's that's your choice, and I know you're not a, a hateful person, so I'm gonna hold 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 them to their their goodness. Yeah, I think um, 
with the exception of like you know lyrics if like music has like lyrics that are explicitly saying racist things um mm-hmm. i think um you could separate the art or you should separate the art from the artist um mm-hmm. because um well an example would be i remember there's like this uh another stupid meme that i saw um yeah. <laughs> uh but it was it was like it was it was a painting right and then like you'd see the painting and then you'd look down it's like it'd be like look at this painting you know and then below it'd say like this painting was painted by hitler you know like you enjoyed you know nazism or whatever um yeah yeah i remember like when i when i first stopped and when i stopped listening to burzum because of his ideology um i had a couple of friends who were not metalheads at all and i, I just told them i was like oh, i listen to this band found out this guy's a nazi i'm gonna stop listening to him and they were very much like what that doesn't make any sense and then i, I gave that hypothetical example i was like well i mean if Hitler made a pop song that you liked a lot, like, would you listen to that pop song if it mm-hmm. wasn't supporting his ideology, but it was made by Hitler? And they, they said, they were just like, Oh yeah. And they, they were like, they weren't like white people at all. They were like, I think both uh, Latino people saying like, yeah, I would totally listen to it as long as it wasn't supporting his Nazi ideology. And that, that's so that was kind of where I gained that conundrum where I was like, huh, okay. You can separate the art from the artist. Yeah, I mean, even taking yeah, that further, like if Hitler said two plus two equals four, does that mean like, does that wrong yeah, or bad yeah, or invalid? Um, it's just yeah, more an or, observation. Or more, more applicably, like, yeah, more applicably, like the fact that Hitler was a vegetarian, like, yeah, yeah, you can't exactly. you can't condemn vegetarianism. Yeah, um, yeah. That said. Hitler was a terrible person. <laughs> you generally shouldn't emulate his public image. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. You're wrong. No. Um, no, 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 no. I would, I would Don't agree. bring up the sound bites. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. And I mean, I'll, and like, I've, I've heard people talk about how they won't listen to um, music by like Karl Orff or, or, or Richard Wagner because they were mm-hmm. like, possibly associated with uh, national socialism even before the Nazi party was a thing, I think. Yeah. At least for Wagner. I think Orff might have been around at the same time. But um but I mean, Wagner like, on the other hand, definitely I'm, Yeah. Yeah, Wagner definitely had some like anti Semitism like writings oh, that's right. ideologies yeah. and stuff. Um Yeah. I'm not sure about the other yeah person. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the guy who's the guy who composed them, Carmina Burana. Um, mm. It's a great piece of music, um, and I like Carmina Burana a lot. But uh, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go saying Carl Orff was a good guy by any means, and I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna give him money if I can help it. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I, uh, one, one of my personal things is that if, like I, I could never, of my own volition, like buy a car made by Ford because Henry Ford was also like an anti-Semite, and just the fact that all his cars ha- have his name on it. I'm just like I don't really wanna, I don't wanna like kind of put myself next to that. 
if that makes sense. I don't know. That's like a that's a a thing for me. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. yeah no, I don't know. Um, yeah. No, it's just... That. I mean, once you start going down that path, though, there's so many things within our culture that have like questionable like origins you know like um are you know cell phones for example or laptops Mm -hmm. or like these things that we use every day oh yeah um, like our clothes even yeah yeah you know like structures of oppression yeah yeah it's if you start i mean yeah it's like these things are like made yeah. in like sweatshops and like factories where like just terrible conditions, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's seems virtually inescapable. Yeah. To, if you, if you're going to exist in society and not be uh, extremely wealthy and, and buying artisanally made smartphones yeah. from your local grocer. Um, or <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's it's a lot. There's a lot of hard lines to to straddle to navigate with with art and with uh, with your everyday existence and to to live um, ethically is a challenge. Yeah. With another thing, I find interesting going with like the idea of like separating the art from the artist and like authorship mm-hmm. is like. Um, people like back in uh uh the middle ages like medieval like europe like monks and stuff mm-hmm. or like composers yeah. when they would write music or like copy stuff uh they wouldn't you know sign their name on it if the idea was like mm-hmm. that this thing these things are created you know for the glory of god and like for the community and like uh, we as a society are like one organism and it's like I'm not going to write my name on it because it just belongs to um, humanity I guess you know yeah yeah that's interesting yeah I think I've heard of similar concepts now that you mentioned that like I'm thinking about like there's lots of yeah there's, there's I mean there's lots of like art art projects and music like, like, like I mean the most famous example of course is like Banksy an anonymous being and he creates art and you might connect with that art and it has its message. But then if you like, if it, if it, if his identity got revealed and he was someone who, if he was like a known Nazi or something, but none of his art had ever condoned Nazism or any of that kind of thing. Like, can you, yeah. Like, like, like then do you suddenly dislike all that art or you just dislike that artist as a person? Mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's, it's tricky I, mean, I feel like I've, I've come across art like that and a lot of time my decision with that is like to just make sure I'm not giving uh, make sure I'm not, not giving any kind of support to that artist yeah. even if I like will hear that art or see that art and be like oh, okay that's like that's good art that is at, like on its own in a vacuum basically yeah but, um, but that artist is a piece of crap um yeah but it's hard because i mean it's also uh, it's hard because a lot a lot of art also i mean all art also kind of exists in a context and there's mm-hmm. lots of arguments about 
about context and how all art should be taken in its context and treated that way. And, and I can see, uh, and a lot of those arguments I, I can agree with. And I, ha I haven't dove, I'm gonna say dove again. I think that's the right word. I haven't dove, dived into it um, uh, a whole lot. So yeah, I'm not the authority. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think anyone is an authority yeah, to say, agreed. to dictate that sort of thing <laughs> or anything. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting too. If you, um, think about like in the terms of like architecture, it's like the pyramids were like built by slaves or there's like examples of like, you know, castles or whatever that were built by slaves. It's like, like, well, we don't agree with slavery. We should, like, no, you're not going to tear it down. It's like, it's already done. Like, just leave it up there. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's yeah. already just existing. Um, it's a piece of history now. Um, yeah, yeah, completely. 